I have come down from the top of Mount Sinai to give to you and bestow upon you the wisdom of the Lord with these 15, oh, 10 commandments. Not just any commandment that I give you this morning, but I give you the 10 financial commandments. Oh, go ahead and murmur, ye wicked people. We're in a series called A Love That Shows, and today we're going to focus on a love that shows through finances, and it's Family Sunday. I want to have a little fun. Uh, Sorry, where are my manners? Please allow me to introduce myself. My name is Moses, in case you didn't know who brought the Ten Commandments originally. Uh, I'm in the middle of the desert with all these Israelites here with me. You will all be playing the part of the Israelites. Um, It's an easy part. You just sit and listen and, and agree with the wisdom that I'm bringing you, see? Uh, yeah, manna comes later in the year. So, <laughs> um, we've just been freed from slavery in Egypt and I was up on the mountain with God where he gave me the 10 commandments and he must've known you would be here, uh, this morning when I came down because he asked me to share with you the 10 financial commandments. And what that means is if you can hear my voice, then God wants you to hear this message. Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay, now we got, all right, I'm going to pray and we're going to get going. Father God, I thank you um, for the things you give us. I thank you for wisdom and and discernment and knowledge. And I pray, Lord, that as we look at at your word, that you will show us how we can apply it to our lives and that we can live a love that shows through our finances and, and through the way that we use our finances here on earth. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Now, now, some things you'll notice along today's journey, you will notice that, um, number one, we used Roman numerals because that's what Moses used. Um, <laughs> just wanted to... Number two, I'll be reading from the King James Version because that, too, is what Moses used. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you will notice how these ten financial commandments very closely relate to the actual ten commandments that God gave to me, uh, Moses, on the mountain. And I believe... We're going to start, you can look them up in your modern day Bible in Exodus chapter 20. And so we're going to get right to it. The first financial commandment, thou shalt honor the Lord first. Yes, I went there. Obviously, this goes along with the first commandment quite well. Exodus 20 verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. Think about this for a minute. If you're not putting God first in every area of your life, then you're in trouble. (laughs) The same goes for our finances. If you're not honoring God first in your finances, and, and this is really what tithing is. We always talk about tithing being 10%, and, and people ask a lot of times, well, where do we get 10% from? And, and there are a few different examples, but one I want to share with you this morning is this. The reason we say 10% is because the Hebrew word for tithe means a tenth. All right? So it, it's a tenth part. So a 10% is a great place to start, but it's more than that. It's the first 10%. It's giving to God first. It's giving to God before you pay your bills. It's, it's a way of honoring God, and, and it's simply putting God first in all aspects of your life. There's all kinds of examples of this throughout the Bible, and I want to use some of those. When the children of Israel, that's you guys, went into the promised land, the city of Jericho, God said, give me Jericho. That's Joshua six nineteen. But why did he ask for all of the silver and gold from Jericho, and not just 10%? Because Jericho was the first city. 
When You see, another one, when your sheep had a lamb, God would say, give me the firstborn. Why did he say that? Why wouldn't he say, wait until your sheep has 10 or 12 lamb, lambs and then give me one? Well, the reason is it takes faith to give God the first one. God brought them to the promised land. He brought them to Jericho. He said, I want all of this for me. It took faith for them to, to turn that back to him because they, that he wanted them to know that he was going to provide as they continued on. So it, it takes faith to give the first one. You give the first part to God. Consider this story from 1 Kings. This is a great story, uh, in my opinion. It's 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 8 through 14. And this is about giving to God first. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks so that I may make a meal for myself and my son and that we might eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. Now, by the way, until the the Lord sent rain was three and a half years. This was a famine that lasted three and a half years. And so here's a widow with one son. She has enough uh, ingredients to make one meal. And the man of God has the audacity to say to her, provide for me first. Give me first before you give something to you and your son. And you know what? When she did that, God took care of all of her needs. Here's what I want you to hear in all of this. God used the widow to provide, or excuse me, God, God used the widow to provide for Elijah. Don't you think somewhere in Israel there was a rich person? Why this poor widow? Was there not somebody wealthy that could have provided out of his abundance to feed Elijah? Why didn't God send Elijah to a person that had more than just one meal? God did not send Elijah to the widow to provide for Elijah. He sent Elijah to the widow to provide for her. You know, God could have sent ravens to provide for Elijah. He'd already done that. But he wanted to provide for the widow. And he did it by the widow giving to God first. Listen very carefully. God wants to provide for you. But if you don't honor him first, you cut him out of the equation. That's our first one. Honor God first with your life. And I kind of ended last week's message on that. Honor God. Honor him with your life. Honor him with your finances. Our second commandment. Thou shalt not try to acquire happiness by material items. That's loosely translated from the original. But it does go along with the second commandment. Exodus 20 verse 4. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. Any type of idol. You see, here's the problem. Because we all say and we all agree on this statement. Money doesn't buy happiness, but it helps. And we all agree on that statement. But the reality is it really doesn't help. If we think there's anything in our heart that we will be happy when we buy something else, then we're in trouble. 
If your purpose for a new home or a new car or new clothes is so that it will, quote, unquote, make me happier, it doesn't happen. And, and even, of course, the, the ultimate lie on that is, is people that say, you know, a new spouse would make me happy. You're chuckling. <laughs> but listen, this is the ultimate lie. That happiness lie, it's one of the ultimate lies that Satan has put on people. As soon as we buy it, we look at something else. And we want that. We buy a new TV and then we say, you know, this old furniture looks really bad with this new TV. All the brightness from the, from the new HD TV shows the flaws in the couch. We're going to have to get a new couch. It, it, seems, it tends to just keep going and going. You know, you know how this, anybody have kids? Of course you do. It's family Sunday. They're sitting beside you. Listen, this is how it goes. You have kids, it's that old adage. Will you buy me this? No. Please, no. Please, no. If you buy it for me, I will never ask for anything ever again. (laughs) Yeah, that works almost never. (laughs) You cannot find happiness in material items. Our financial commandment, number three. Thou shalt not be unthankful for whatever standard of living God has provided for you. Now, this goes straight to the heart. We, when we're thankful in our heart, it affects every area in our lives. And it goes right along with the third commandment, Exodus 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. What? How does that go along with those commandments? Moses, what is wrong with you? Well, most of the time we talk about taking the name of the Lord in vain, and we think about using his name as profanity. But understand this, vain means vanity or selfishness. In other words, don't use the name of the Lord for vain reasons or for selfish reasons. You see, think about how many believers do this. Lord, I just pray for that new house in Jesus' name. Amen. Dear Jesus, please bless me so that I win the lottery after I buy this ticket. Amen. We, we do that. And we pray and we say things like that in Jesus' name like it's a magic trick or something. As long as we say it in Jesus' name, we think that's it. That, that brings it all together. And here's why we do it. Because when it gets right down to it, we're not thankful for the standard of living that God has provided for us. And as a matter of fact, people, people get mad at God because they can't pay their bills. I've talked with people. It's just not fair. I can't pay my bills. We've got all these bills. And you're saying to God, you're not providing for me. And the reality is, why should God take responsibility for bills that he did not initiate? We weren't seeking his will or his wisdom or his guidance when we were creating those bills, when we were charging up that credit card or buying the new furniture set. But now that things get a little tight, we want to blame God. He didn't buy that stuff. He didn't tell you to buy that stuff. So you know what? You can pay for it. Here's the problem. We're out of money. (laughs) We can't pay for it. We buy things and we spend money because we're not thankful for the standard of living that God is providing for us. And by the way, the lowest standard of living we have here in America far outlives and outlasts much more of the world's, much more of what the world lives on. Sometimes I think we are the most ungrateful people. Romans 121 says, because although they knew God, They did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful. Now watch what happens here. Because they weren't thankful, they became futile in their thoughts. 
and their foolish hearts were darkened. When we're not thankful, we go into deception. Being unthankful opens a door to all kinds of negativity. But if we can come to a place where we are truly thankful to God for the things we have and the place we live, the jobs that we go to, it will change the way you use and spend your finances. We've got to be thankful. Financial commandment number four. Thou shalt be a good steward. Steward, steward. (laughs) Out of that echo effect. This goes along with commandment number four. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Why would I say that? Well, because remembering the Sabbath day is about stewardship. Spending that Sabbath time with God means that you are stewarding your time well. I love what Chick-fil-A does. They're closed on Sundays. I actually kind of, it bothers me they're closed on Sundays because I like Chick-fil-A. But I love what they do. Mr. Kathy knew what we all need to figure out. And he believed this. Six days with God's blessing will go farther than seven days without it. And it's the same thing with tithing. 90% of your money with God's blessing will go farther than 100% of your money without God's blessing. It's a fact. It's truth. It's stewarding. And we are called to be good stewards. I'm going to summarize up Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. Write that down and and you can read it this week. Um, But it, it goes like this. It's about the talents. And and the one servant had one talent and he buried it. And Jesus said, take the one talent from him and give it to the guy with 10. Well, why would he do that? Obviously, this guy needed his talent. Here's the reason. God will never give to people who are poor stewards because they'll waste it. He will give to people that are good stewards. And we have to be faithful with what he is giving us. If you're not faithful with little, you won't be faithful with much. We must be good stewards with our money with our time, with our talents. A good steward should have five savings accounts. I bounced this off some people this week and they were like, first you got to have money to put in five savings accounts. What's wrong with you? I'm doing good to have checking and some savings and you're going to have five. Hear me out. This does not come from Dave Ramsey, by the way. All right. But I think it's viable. And I think you know, I'd love to see this. If, if, if Christians did this worldwide, this would be the new financial movement. Okay. Um, five, five savings accounts for the things that, that, that are in life. And it goes like this. First off, write these down. And if you try this, you'll come back in two years and you'll be like, you're a genius. All right? Maybe not. <laughs> First savings account is for the things you want. Save up for the things you want. There is nothing wrong with wanting some new golf clubs or some new furniture or a new TV for your house, or something like that. Save up for it. Start a savings account. Put a little bit in that savings account, and it's specifically for things you want. Save up for it, and when, it, when the time comes, and you have the money, you'll appreciate that you can afford it. The next one, number two, save for the things you need. Now, you have to differentiate between your needs and your wants on this one, so that you, you know the difference. But save up, second savings account for the things you need. Cars, clothes, necessities go in the second savings account number three and this one we should all be doing anyways saving for emergencies so really i'm only asking you to do two savings accounts at this point but i won't get into that math with you number three save for emergencies things break life happens life comes at you fast number four save for the future 
Even if you have retirement, there's nothing wrong with still putting a little bit away for when you retire. And number five, this is my favorite one, and I better hear a big amen from everybody when I say this one. Save for giving. Amen. Good job. Thank you. Seriously, think about this. If you ever really want to give, like one of my dreams is to, to walk in to church one day and just be like, just start dumping out like three or $4,000 worth of change into the offering plate, you know? <laughs> Maybe not change, but save for giving. If you want to see great things happen, if you walk out of here sometimes going, oh, I wish I, you know, the, the church is doing this or, or we're trying to help this or whatever. If you want to save, if you want to give big, save so you can give big. Once you get into the habit of these savings accounts, you're not going to miss it. So save for giving. If you ever want to give a large amount of money, the only way you can do it and not go into debt is to save for it and plan for it and pray about it and make it something you do as a family. Now, these first four financial commandments have to do with our relationship with God. And the reality here is this. His love towards us is extravagant. We cannot outgive Him. We cannot outbless Him. There are so many things we can't do. But I want you to listen to the words of this song, and I want you to reflect on how God has shown you extravagant love as you listen to this. We could stop right there. We can't outgive God what He's already done for us so outweighs anything we could really bring to Him on our own. And so those first four financial commandments have to do with our relationship with God. And these next ones have to do with our relationship with man or with one another. And so we're going to keep going. We'll look at number five right now. Thou shalt not teach thy family that having and spending money is the answer to problems. You cannot imagine how many times we do this. It goes along with, with number five, with Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Now, the reason he wants children to honor their parents is he wants parents to pass on their values to children. All right, so parents... If we don't value these principles in the Bible correctly, then we're actually passing on the wrong values to our children. And we're passing on the wrong message. All right? So even with money, we don't want to pass pass around the wrong message about money to our kids. We cannot teach our families that money is the answer to our problems. The next financial commandment, number six, is this. Thou shalt take time to budget Plan and set goals for your finances. I know you're all getting uncomfortable now. Some of you are going, plan? (laughs) Listen, all the other financial commandments lined up pretty well with the original 10. But this one, Exodus 20, 13 is, you shall not murder. (laughs) You may be wondering how, how that lines up. How does thou shalt take time to budget, plan, and set goals for your finances line up with you shall not murder? Well, let me just tell you, it's murder to not have a budget. (laughs) See? See what I did there? Wrapped it right up. You're, You're killing yourself slowly if you don't have a goal and if you don't have a plan. A budget is a way to make non-emotional decisions about emotional issues. In other words, you let the budget decide about what you're going to buy. Now, that could work really well for you in your house, men, 
When your wife comes home and says, hey, I really want to buy this new dress. And you say, hey, I want you to have that new dress. Let's look at Mr. Budget. (laughs) Oh, honey, I want you to have that dress. But Mr. Budget, he says, no. (laughs) See, it's a way to make non-emotional decisions about emotional issues. You guys can thank me for that later. Because, you know, if your first answer is to buy a dress, we don't have money for that foolishness. Now you're in trouble, but when you let Mr. Budget handle it, now, ladies, that goes both ways when he comes in and says he wants to hit an extra round of golf or, you know, buy more clubs or whatever it is, wax for the car, whatever practical thing us men might be doing. Still, if Mr. Budget says no, you can't. But you truly need to have a budget. Let me, let me say it to you this way. We plan to fail when we fail to plan. If you don't have a plan, you're going to fail. And many, many people, we do this. We have no plan when it comes to our finances. We're scribbling out checks left and right, and all of a sudden we're going, wow, how do we get here? we got to get a plan. we got to make a plan. we got to set a budget. Of course, the hard part to that is then you, you stick to the budget. You can't be like the New Year's Eve diet fad where, you know, I'm doing it. See, I lost my one pound this year. Done check it's part of my plan (laughs) we have to plan when it comes to finances number seven is thou shalt live below thy means and this one's hard to do notice i didn't say live within your means but live below your means this one goes along with the seventh commandment exodus 20 verse 14 thou shalt not commit adultery How does that go along? Well, very simply, if you're committing adultery, you're not living within your means. And you're not living with what God has provided for you. If you're living above your means, you are not content with the income that God has provided to you. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 8 says this, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which draw men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from their faith, excuse me, from faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Folks, when we are not content, when we are not content to live within our means, and we begin to stretch ourselves and we live above our means, we are shaking our fists at the face of God saying, I'm not content with your provision and I'm not content with you. Actions speak louder than words, you see. I'm not happy with what you've provided me and I want more. I want something else. We have to be careful. Living within our means. If we're living below our means, all those savings accounts that I talked about, they're a lot easier to to make happen. Our next one, number eight. I love this one. We're all really good at breaking this one. Thou shalt not count on future earnings to pay present expenses. You see, this goes along with the eighth commandment, which is Exodus 20, 15. You shall not steal. If you spend money that you don't have, the Bible calls that stealing. If you take something that's not yours, it's stealing. If you spend money you don't have, it's stealing. We've softened it up a bit because we call this robbing Peter to save Paul. Now, I've asked some fellas to help me illustrate this concept for me. And so I called them guys and they were, they were slightly offended. Let me check and see if they're, if they're ready yet. Hey, guys, 
I did. Oh, they're ready. They're, they're not just guys, they're apostles. Come on out. Give them a big hand. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Off with them. That was... There we have it. As we jump fast forward to 2,000 years later, we got to make sure we're not robbing Peter to pay Paul. You see, one of the statistics I learned this past week was 90% of Americans spend their tax refund check before they ever get it. These aren't just financial issues. These are heart issues. They're heart issues with finances. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your will be also. For some of you, your heart is saddened and your hope is lost because of your debt. You've robbed Peter to pay Paul in your home and in your giving to God, and you've allowed debt to separate you from God. You have to start by changing your mindset about what's yours and what's God's. Then change your heart. Seek wise counsel on the ways to make the financial changes that you need to make. But it's got to start first. You've got to stop robbing Peter to pay Paul. Number nine, commandment, financial commandment number nine. Thou shalt use thy finances to bless others and be a witness about God. Now, the ninth commandment is Exodus twenty sixteen. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Think about this for a second. Why did God put you in the neighborhood that you're in? Obviously, he wants to provide for you. You have a house and, and, and neighbors and friends and things like that. And, and he wants to, to offer you those. But does God have a higher purpose for you being in that neighborhood? Is he concerned for your neighbors that don't know him? Maybe. So he's chosen to use us. He puts us as witnesses in our neighborhoods. Part of our witness, though, is how we live our lives. That we live our lives differently than the world. But if we live our lives in the financial realm the same way that all of our neighbors do, we're affected by the economy just like they are because we're also up to our eyes in debt. Just like everyone else. Eventually, don't you think the devil being crafty like he is will say to your neighbor, Psst, what's the difference between you and him? That guy goes to church every Sunday. He even has the preacher over for dinner. Thursday nights are good. <laughs> yeah, but he's got more debt than you. He's got worry and anxiety about the economy, just like you do. Him going to church doesn't do anything different than you not going. You see, here's a tough spot. We live sometimes above our means, Christians. And, and we allow ourselves to be in debt with no plan of getting out. And when we do that, with no plan of, of, of getting out of debt and, and of budgeting and moving forward, when we allow ourselves to fall into that hole, we're bearing false witness. If we don't handle our finances correctly, it gives a bad witness. It gives a, a poor reflection of who Jesus really is in our lives. Here's the last one. Thou shalt not try to keep up with the Joneses. Wasn't quite sure how to do that, Joneses. But anyways, 
We need to not keep up with them. The last commandment is Exodus 20, 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, dot, 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 a lot of other things, nor anything that is your neighbor's. You see, the whole reason we try to keep up with the Joneses is because of our covetousness. Listen to this in Colossians 3, 5. It says, therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Covetousness is idol worship because we value something more than we value God. Don't let our society tell you what your God is. Don't let our society tell you how to live your life and how to spend your money. If you want to see your finances through God's vision, remember our verse this year, um, Proverbs, or excuse me, Psalms 119.37, turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. If you want to see your finances through God's vision, Remember that verse. Do you really want to see your life through God's vision? Because whether it's finances or family or freedom, it all starts with our heart. All of these commandments really have to do with heart issues. They have to do with us being content, serving God, loving God, putting God first, seeking his vision for our lives. I have one more thing I need to tell you. Because some of you may be sitting here going, okay, that's all good, but I'm already in a bad spot with my finances. So what do I do? What if your finances are messed up right now? What if you're in such a bad place financially right now? You're like, I have no idea how I'm going to get out of this. And yet maybe you are calling out to God. How do I fix this, Lord? Listen, you remember when on the cross Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was Matthew 27, 46. And I want to tell you this. God forsook him that day so that he would never have to forsake us. Hebrews 7, or excuse me, 13, 5 says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So even if your finances are messed up and you don't know where to start or you don't know what to do, first thing I want you to understand is God is not going to leave you alone and he hasn't abandoned you. You can turn to him. Begin to implement some of these things based on his word. The Bible actually has answers for all of our questions. And if your finances are in a mess, seek out some wise counsel. If you're not sure where to go, let me know. We can hook you up with some different people that can help you out. But, but it's based on his word. And when we focus that way, things will turn around for us. I've been talking a lot about giving, but understand giving is just one aspect of stewardship as a whole. All right. As Christians, we should live a steward life. And, and here's how I'm going to break that down real quick. It's about, it's things budgeting, living below your means, not living with covetousness. All these things come together under stewardship. And it's kind of like if you come up to me to say, today and you say, hey, you know what? I've been combing my hair every day for a month. I'm not bathing. I'm not brushing my teeth. I'm not even washing my hair, but I'm combing it every month. Every day I'm combing my hair. I still stink, though. Mm-hmm. There's a reason you still stink. Now, I appreciate that you're combing your hair, but that's just one aspect of healthy grooming. Same thing. Well, I put, I put money in the offering plate on Sunday. Maybe it was 10%. Maybe it was. I don't know what you're giving, and it's not my business. But it's about stewardship. It's a complete package. It's not just one thing. I put, I, it's the same thing. You say to me, I'm giving, but I'm overextended. I'm giving, but I'm not content with things in my life. I'm not managing my personal budget well, but I'm still giving. 
I have all these problems. I really thought, and I hear this a lot, I started tithing. It didn't take care of my financial problems. It says in Malachi, test the Lord. No, no, no. That's not just a test the Lord and giving 10%. It's stewardship, folks. And when you're only doing one part of that, the reality is you're still going to stink. I don't know where you are. As stewards, as Christians, as, as individuals, but as we come to this time of response, I hope that today your response will be to ask God for His help in getting your finances in order so that you can bless Him and bless others with what He has blessed you with. And, and listen, if you're not sure what that, how that works, our elders are here. We'll pray with you. I don't know where that step is for you. But as we sing this, time, this song during response time, let your response be to God that you want to straighten out not just money, but the stewardship of your life and see how that all comes together. Will you stand and sing with us? Keep that in mind wherever you go this week with your actions, with your family, with your friends, that we are an offering to Him. It's been great being here with you today, but now it's time to go. And as you go, I want you to remember these two things. Strive to live below your means and in turn give generously. If you do those two things alone, it will change your world financially. Have a great week.